0: Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold this swelling scene. I'm Madeline Model, and this is my colleague and artist-in-arms, Dob. Hello. We're back again, providing you a backstage pass to Arden Radio Theater's auditions.
1: Here on The Horned Moon Presents.
0: The Horned Moon presents broadcasts on 96.5 KMEW. Meow! The Cat.
1: Bringing up-to-date arts coverage to Milford Haven, Padua, Verona, Elsa, Noor, and the unincorporated area of Rome.
0: So here we are again, Dob, another opening, another show.
1: Yes, indeed. Art is back at it, this time with Much Ado About Nothing, directed, much to everyone's shock, by Mason Birch.
0: Your brother.
1: Not important. What is important is that Birch is a complete unknown when it comes to directing, having only been involved in one art production previously, where he played Macduff in the Scottish play. Some might even say that the appointment of this rookie was the fulfillment of that play's dark curse.
0: I think that's only you, Dob. For many, the introduction of relatively new blood is a good sign of positive change at art, and we're excited to see what tricks Mason has up his sleeve.
1: Others find the appointment of a shock jock renowned for his irresponsibility to be a foreboding foreshadowing for the future of art.
0: That's only you, Dob. But let's save the speculation for the cast. Here's what we do know. Birch has said he's looking for a cast with strong comedic and emotional chops that can deliver on this show's genre-defying mood swings.
1: It's a tall order. Much Ado is known to have an audience-friendly rom-com vibe, but like most rom-coms, it also has some moments of frightful misogyny that play more like a tragedy to a modern audience, which again begs the question, why is Mason Birch the right choice for this production?
0: I suppose, Dob, that remains to be seen, as does the final cast, but let's dive into that, shall we? As part of Arden Radio Theater's New Direction, we've been invited to broadcast live from callbacks. We'll be talking about our own picks as well as interviewing folks as they leave their callback audition. At the heart of the play lies our will they or won't they couple, Beatrice and Benedict. Dream roles for many, but only two will take home the prize. What do you think,
1: Dob? This is the casting that has to be done as a pair, as chemistry is key. The audition slate isn't chock full of men, but we do have Agatha Valmont auditioning for Beatrice, and I'm hoping her rumored amour, Braun Talbot, might be a last minute addition to the schedule. She's serious and soulful, he's oblivious and gregarious. I think it works. Waddle?
0: I'm taking a different tack here. I can see where you're going. Agatha and Braun can bring the heat for sure, but I'm not sold on their comedy skills. For that, I'm going with. Pete Neptune, and of course my best friend, Viola
1: Cabbage. Neptune is an interesting choice. Charming, great timing, but he's still a relative newcomer to the ART Airwaves. As for Viola Cabbage, the largest role she's ever played is the second gentleman in Cymbeline.
0: Friends believe in each other, Dob.
1: Well, I can't say anything against friendship. I do think it's important to point out that many feel Diana Purblind is a lock for Beatrice. Her casting may unfairly be looked at as a litmus test of just how impartial and transparent the new art is going to be. Wink Tittle actually isn't even offering roles on the casting of Beatrice, considering it's pre-cast. Considering his closeness to the director and the director's closeness to Purblind, there may be something to that.
0: I am sure Diana considers the role pre-cast as well, but as surprising... And disappointing, as Mason's appointment may have been. I am not prepared to assume corruption on his part just yet.
1: Moving on, the second couple of the show, Claudio and Hero.
0: Here's another one that has to be considered as a duo. Claudio is sort of- I'm sorry, I
1: have to interrupt you, Waddle. Mariah Smythe has just completed her audition, and we want to get some reactions to the new process from folks with boots on the ground. Mariah, how do you think it went?
0: You know, I'm feeling really, really good about all of this. But, I mean, with it being an audition, I mean, you never know. And I try not to get my hopes up.
1: Mason did promise that the audition process would be new and more transparent. Do you feel like he's actually achieved that?
0: Oh, my gosh. It was one of the most welcoming audition rooms I think I've ever been in. It just... I felt comfortable to explore, and I was even asked to read for some unexpected parts, and things that I didn't think I was
1: going for, which was really encouraging. Who did you read for? You know, it all just became a blur. Excellent.
0: That's so good to hear. Um, what do you think about your odds? Wink Tittle's board down at the Athenian stalls currently shows you, among most of us character actresses, as a very long shot.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think my odds are very good about getting
0: into this one. I mean, it was a good audition, and that's always a good experience to have. But I I just think that either Imogen or I are going to get in this show. And since I got in the Mackers play, I'm kind of hoping she'll get it more than I will.
1: Thanks, Mariah. We're hoping to see your name on the cast list.
0: Gotta love those Smythes. Now, back to our picks. Claudio and Hero. The expectation is that these roles will skew young, and rightfully so, but there are literally no younger men on the audition schedule. I'd have loved to see Celia Tittle in this role, but the Tittle family is also MIA, so I'm at a loss on these. Dob?
1: I think in this we're going to have to consider the inexperience of the director and expect that he's going to go with the ingenuiest of ingenues for both roles. I think that means that uh, newcomer and unknown quality Phoebe Gerkin as Hero, and it looks like he might have to invite a Claudio to audition. For that, my money's on Stan Morgan, who was a near miss last year for Malcolm.
0: Next to consider is Leonardo, Hero's father, a seemingly likable fellow before he takes a turn for the worse. I'll be honest, to me, this is the most difficult role in the show. Who do you think has the chops?
1: The Honorable Ben Roy was ART's go-to for these types of roles. His loss is going to be keenly felt in this production, but I think it might be an opportunity for his pal Angus Mobile to step up to a bigger role after his art debut last year.
0: As much as I'd like to see what Angus Mobile could do with the part, I'm not convinced he's got the volcanic rage. Herkimer Sludge, however, is auditioning for the first time, and anyone who saw his infamous debate with local weatherman Darcy Austin, when they both ran for alderman of Padua's Ward 4, knows he can bring it in the wedding scene. That's where I'll be putting my money.
1: This brings us to the Dons, Don Pedro and Don John. Don John is the criminal mastermind of the show. His brother, Don Pedro, a benevolent aristocrat. Both just really great parts. Lots of opportunities in either one. Who are your picks?
0: I'd like to see Claude Perkowski take on the prince. I think he's got the nuance and the subtlety that Don Pedro takes.
1: That is an interesting possibility. I'm not sure Mason makes his best move as a first-time director putting Perkowski in in a supporting role. Here's where I'd love to see Benedict Mott. He put such compassion in each role, even Mackers. And this is a role that I'd love to see filled with heart. As for Don John, his evil brother, I'm going Wink Tittle all the way. It's hard to see Mason not casting Wink. Having an actor of his caliber like and trust the director will go a long way towards ensuring the cast's confidence in Mason's leadership.
0: I think you're right. And while I don't want to lean too heavily into the politics of casting, I will direct listeners back to Wink's performance as Gratiano in Merchant of Venice. I think that stands as proof. He can play an effective worm.
1: And speak of the devil. Claude Perkowski is emerging from the audition room now. Claude, how do you think it went? Great, of course.
2: I mean, I don't have bad auditions, honestly. I just come in and I'm ready to go. And it's just a delight, honestly, to audition at all. Just having the opportunity to be in the room, to smell the air. I just... I live for that. And uh, I love Mason. I love that he let me read for a couple of different roles. He let me read things that, you know, I, I wasn't expecting when I walked in the room, which is always nice to know that directors are trying new things. I just can't see, wait to see what he does. You know, I can't wait to see what I get. I'm always excited. This next part is is so important exhilarating just waiting to find out and uh, I you know I'd like to if I can here I'd like to encourage some other guys to come audition it was just me and my fellow thanes you know Pete and Angus and here we we can't possibly do it all although I have done plenty of one-man shows and I could do a whole lot on my own but you know it does help when you hear different voices doing things Uh, so that's pretty much how it went.
0: Great, great, lovely, as always, to speak with you, Claude. Can't wait to see what role Perkowski ultimately winds up in. Moving on to the comic relief, and yeah, this comedy definitely needs it sometimes. The foolish but ultimately effective constable, Dogberry.
1: I know you're not going to want to hear it, Waddle, but I think this goes to Barry.
0: It doesn't give me any joy to agree with you, Dobb but I think you're most likely correct. He's a known clown on air and off.
1: Let's wrap it up here, shall we?
0: Final picks, Antonio.
1: Mr. Simon Tittle, though that would again require Mason to invite him as he wisely chose not to audition.
0: This is where I think Angus Mobile slots in. Ursula. Why not collect the set and give that to Octavia Tittle? Again, assuming Mason can talk them into it.
1: I think this is where we're going to see the return of Lucretia Page to the art airwaves here.
0: Virgis, Dogberry's second in
1: command. Well, if we're optimistically hoping to shoehorn the Tittles in, this is the place for Guy Tittle, who has cornered the market on his aural vacant expressions.
0: I'm hoping for some more options for the ladies here and giving this one to Mariah Smythe. And here's Diana Purblind, just wrapping up her audition. Diana, what can you tell us about Mason's demeanor behind the table? Professional, but warm. Felt like auditioning for an old friend. I just love everything about him. Impossible not to. He's just overflowing with charm and talent. And handsome, too.
1: You're basically considered a lock for Beatrice. What do you think your chances are?
0: You really just never know. But I do think the role requires someone with an abundance of talent and heart, and the ability to play both vulnerability and strength. In so many ways, it would feel just like a culmination of my years at art, and a lovely opportunity for Mason and I to work together, just strengthening our relationship. But of course, there are so many others auditioning, and I I would never want to count them out. Well, that's great, Diana. Thanks for chatting with us.
1: Sounds like Beatrice might go the way we think. Now, where were we? Baraccio?
0: With the dearth of men auditioning, I'd like to see Imogen Smythe here.
1: Oh, I think you're right, but I'm gonna go with Mariah for this one. Conrad. A nice second show outing for Pete Neptune.
0: I'd like to see Agatha Valmore go against character in this role, We saw how a supporting role last season really expanded Claude Perkowski's range. I'd like to see the same for Agatha. Margaret? Again, throwing some eggs in the tittle basket. If Mason reaches out, he might as well nab Anne or Celia for this.
1: This is where I slot in, Imogen Smythe. And as always, Waddle, we haven't included you in our picks. Are you hoping for anything in particular?
0: Despite Art's liberal casting practices regarding gender, This is a more difficult play to apply gender-blind casting to. With an inexperienced director, a strong field of actors, and only four named female roles, I'm going to enjoy the audition and then enjoy listening in as the show unfolds.
1: If Mason doesn't find a place for you, he's only letting his inexperience show.
0: And what about you, Dob? Going back for more?
1: I'm remaining an objective observer and sound engineer this go around just hoping to keep everything running smoothly.
0: What do you think, listeners? Who's going to make the cut? Get at us on Twitter or Facebook or email us at Presents at gmail.com.
1: And gentlemen, Mason has designated this afternoon as an open audition slot for any men who want to stop by and read. So come on down. For now, we're Waddle. And Dob, and this has been... The Horned Moon Presents. Thank you for joining us for the second season of The Horn and Moon Presents. If you're just joining us, this is a fine place to start the show. The season proper, featuring Much Ado About Nothing, will begin in two weeks on January 27th. The Horn and Moon Presents is written by Merlin Cusell and produced and directed by me, Marshall B. Gary. Merlin plays Waddle and I play Dom. Our guests today include Alexis Yvonne as Imogen Smythe, Nick Christensen as Claude Bukowski, and Katie Wells as Diana Purblind. As always, our music is by Andrew Dickinson and mixed by Eric Bostic. Now fare you well, for now our show is done. Until next time begins our second run. Ours be your patience, friends, and yours our parts. Your gentle ears lend us, and take...